ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to my 299th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of BEM Magazine, where we will do a deep dive on the college football playoff finalists. Well, my highlight of the week is the return of Tiger Woods and the fact that he not only finished the tournament, apparently healthy by all accounts, most importantly his, but he also golfed very well. He was competitive, finished well under par, and he simply looked like, well, Tiger. So let's not forget that we didn't know if we would ever see him again. So... We can't take that for granted. It was great to see him this past weekend. I was basically tuned in to all four days at one point or another, especially Thursday, his first day back. And uh, to see him so competitive and no ill effects whatsoever that we could see from all his physical problems, mainly the back surgeries. And... uh, Sinking putts, hitting long drives, uh, his excitement, fist pumps, uh, his short game, all of it. It was all there. Not that there weren't a few mistakes, but all in all, he looked like he belonged, and it was just great to see. So welcome back, Tiger. And speaking of golf, my event of the week was having the pleasure on Friday of taking the Titleist golf ball experience, which was basically a tour of Titleist Ball Plant 3 in New Bedford, Massachusetts, about 40 minutes from where I'm broadcasting at this moment, where I got to witness firsthand the making of probably the best golf balls ever, the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X, the tour is something new, just started a couple weeks ago, uh, so it's just open to the public, and it was truly a fabulous educational experience, highlighted, of course, by learning and seeing the remarkable technology, manufacturing, and quality control that goes into making this golf ball. It was a classic case of who knew uh, what goes into making a golf ball until you actually witness it. The multiple, multiple steps, uh, 
that occur in the making of every golf ball, of which thousands are made per day at this particular plant, uh, was simply mind-boggling. The people there were so nice, we were greeted upon our arrival by June and Patty, and Patty was our tour guide. She did a tremendous job, and we just walked for 90 minutes throughout the, uh, the manufacturing plant, interacting along the way with uh, some of the people as they were working. Uh, couldn't help but notice how happy everybody seemed to be working there. They have employees that go back 50 years, and uh, not much attrition from everything I could gather and what I heard. Uh, you work there, you stay there. So it was just uh, overwhelmingly obvious, taking the tour, that the people loved their job. And one of the highlights was uh, they had a wall uh, with autographs from just every big name pro who has taken the tour. Uh, A lot of them, of course, are up here every Labor Day weekend and the whole week leading into Labor Day for that matter for what was the Deutsche Bank Championship, now known as the Dell Technologies Championship. And uh, clearly, a lot of them have gotten down there, taken the tour, and great pictures on the wall, great autographs, and not just autographs, I mean personalized notes from the most famous names in golf, like Jordan Spieth, and on and on. Uh, and basically the message in the notes that the PGA golfers, the best in the world, wrote were all about uh, thanking them for helping to make their game better and taking the making of golf balls so seriously. And they were really personalized, and it was just uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, 90 minutes, to say the least, Uh, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, it was a very individualized tour, just a few of us on it. So it was very, again, hands-on, personal, and just a tremendous uh, eye-opening experience for me to see. And then uh, very nicely at the end of the tour, they gave us a great souvenir to remember the tour by, uh, now hanging in my uh, now among my golf souvenirs and uh, just a great, great uh, visit down to Titleist and uh, just a wonderful day, to say the least, on Friday. So, moving on to the NFL. Uh, Going to have to start today with the low light of the week, which of course was until... Uh, a few minutes ago with breaking news about was watching and seeing Eli Manning standing on the sidelines yesterday, something we haven't seen for 13 or so years. And there it was yesterday in, uh, in their game against the Raiders. And it was just so sad. And then uh, within the past hour or so, news has broken that the Giants fired head coach Ben McAdoo, GM Jerry Reese. And basically, it feels like it went from bad to worse. And by that, I mean 
the streak is now broken. And the two people who apparently, by all accounts, caused it, McAdoo and Reese, are now gone. So that can never be recovered. Uh, I had found myself thinking up through yesterday, even game time, like given the reaction and just the way everything was handled, comments from everyone, apparently including ownership, and why they just didn't you know, reverse field, if that was even possible, to keep the streak alive, because I couldn't help but think, well, the two apparent decision makers in this probably won't be here for long. Uh, little did I know they wouldn't be here for dinner tonight. Um, so the Giants, who have always been just an organization that does it right, as we've all been hearing uh, over and over and over again, uh, simply bungled this one. There is no other way to say it. And now to think that, you know, less 18 or so hours after Eli's streak is broken, 210 games every game since 2004 that he started is now over. And the people that caused the streak to end are now gone. Uh, it just seems crazy to me. But that's the way it unfolded. And uh, added to the long, long list of truth is stranger than fiction. Well, my bizarre story of the week was seeing Rob Gronkowski yesterday elbowing and falling on top of a Buffalo Bills player uh, who is now in concussion protocol as a result of the hit. Uh, it was just bizarre to watch. I've been watching Gronk since day one often in person over here at nearby Gillette Stadium. He has never, ever been a dirty player. So it was just stunning to see. He apologized for it yesterday immediately after the game. By all accounts, Coach Belichick apologized to Sean McDermott, Bill's coach, as well. So it was just uh, crazy to see. And another crazy thing to see was uh, Tom Brady apparently yelling at offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Uh, during the game yesterday, early in the game. So, kind of uh, unusual to see in a Patriots game, to say the least. Also, just sticking with the NFL, the Seahawks certainly look like they're back or still capable of delivering at home, especially. Uh, they beat the Eagles uh, solidly. Last night on Sunday Night Football, Eagles, of course, the best team in, in, the, in the pro football all year long so far. Kansas City free fall continues after they shockingly lost uh, to the Jets yesterday, meaning they've lost six of the last seven after winning their first five. So uh, they're on very shaky ground. The Saints, the Vikings, and the Rams all look really good. And for real, after beating the Panthers, Falcons, and Cardinals, respectively. And uh, on a New England note, it was great to see Jimmy Garoppolo start yesterday for the, uh, for the 49ers and led a game-winning drive, setting up Robbie Gold with the uh, game-winning field goal, his fifth of the game against his old team, the Chicago Bears. And... Uh, so we all believed and liked Jimmy Garoppolo up here and uh, all felt he was for real. And uh, 
based on the small sample of yesterday being his first start. Uh, it looks like he is indeed for real, and best of luck to him out there in 49er land. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and we'll discuss, of course, the college football playoff committee's decision, the Final Four, and everything that went on around it, so don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 1- 888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and it's hot time of the show when our weekly call-in expert AP Studham of Bama Magazine joins us and AP I'm imagining you're a pretty happy guy today with the team that you cover Alabama of course being selected uh, to go to the college football playoff national championship semifinal Yes, John. Yeah, I'm thrilled uh, to be going to New Orleans to watch Alabama play against Clemson for the third time. It should be quite a ball game, uh, and I'm really excited and didn't know, but I had an inkling that Alabama might be that fourth team uh, because I had understood the committee's mission was to select the four best teams, and people, I think, they overlooked, they say a lot of a lot of things like deserving and uh, conference champion, but when that committee gets together, they, and they also mention politics, I'm thinking, how could you politic in that committee if there's 13 different people all from various backgrounds and there's no way that you can uh, get together and move the votes to one direction? It just can't happen. It's almost impossible. Correct, correct. 
Well, it was fascinating. Uh, it was a it was a genuine moment as they uh, teed up uh, the number four selection. Watching a course on ESPN for the selection show and uh, great drama. And I thought they got the, got it right. Uh, you know, there's a million ways to look at it, and I think they've all been looked at or discussed. Uh, Alabama had one loss. Ohio State had two. I think you could just start with that. Number two, and you and I discussed this on the show, and I think our views were echoed by the committee, where uh, you just couldn't overlook that loss to Iowa. Uh, I know they kept talking about a 31-point deficit and everything like that, the amount, what they lost by. But, you know, to me, it was always just more specifically – any team that gives up 55 points doesn't deserve to be in the final four. It was just that simple. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, there's losses and there's losses, and that one, <laughs> you couldn't get past it, and apparently the committee couldn't get past it either. No, and John, it was a 7-5 and five team. I mean, Iowa, normally when they upset the Michigans and Ohio States and the Penn States uh, uh, in the state of Iowa, it's usually maybe last second field goal, touchdown or less, but not by 31 points. I mean, that's a total collapse. Uh, it's really an indictment on your coaching staff and your team for not showing up that weekend. I mean, they could play that game 100 times. There's no way I was going to win by 31 points. Exactly, exactly. And again, you know, I know 31 was clearly the number that kept being thrown around, but the number that has stuck in my head since that day was, you know, 55, as in giving up 55. And I just could never get that one out of my head. And I'm guessing the committee couldn't either. And, you know, as someone who grew up near Penn State, uh, you know, I'm I just think poetic justice, karma, whatever you want to call it, was done. The situation with Penn State being left out last year was nearly identical, uh, minus the head-to-head. But what you had was, you know, a two-loss conference champion, Ohio State this year, Penn State last year, who also got blown out by Michigan, and everybody said that's what cost them. So uh, the similarities were really pretty overwhelming, uh, the only thing missing that was there last year was, of course, Penn State beat Ohio State head-to-head, which makes their being left out last year more egregious, uh, especially in the wake of Ohio State being chosen above them and then losing to Clemson 31 nothing in the semifinal. So it all just, you know, what goes around comes around. And, you know, Ohio State found itself in practically the exact same position as Penn State was last year. Last year, Ohio State benefited from it. This year, it cost them, and and there you have it. I mean, so I just thought that uh, again, karma was served. Yeah, John, I never could understand last year's decision, especially since Penn State uh, won the conference, and then they beat Ohio State head to head. I mean, that's two of the guidelines that are have been formulated by that committee. And so that really baffled me uh, since, since that selection last year. So, you know, this year when Alabama was, was taken, they had the one loss, is on the road. It was to an Auburn team that was really hot. Uh, he had beaten Georgia and Alabama within three weeks. But uh, I just thought 
the, the eye test was too much to overcome, and, and Ohio State had too many blemishes. Well, I agree, AP. Um, they did. They did, and I know they kept talking about, you know, they had a lot of, you know, big wins, which they did. But, uh, you, you know, to me, what was critical last year was, you know, the head-to-head. I mean, I think we can now say maybe the conference championships don't mean as much as we thought they did after the last two years. But to me, the head-to-head was what really bothered me last year was because that's simply the core of sports. It just is. I mean, it's, it's the very foundation of sports, what happened when you faced each other. And so that's the one that really... Uh, was tough getting past last year. Of course, we didn't have that situation this year. But if we had, if Auburn's record were a little different, and they have three losses, so there's no way you can even consider them for the Final Four. But, you know, had Auburn's record been maybe a little better or whatever, and Alabama, Auburn head-to-head, and Alabama lost, maybe you look at, you know, based on what I'm saying, you look at that situation then differently. But that was not at all the case. Again, you know, um, Auburn, with three losses, does not belong in the Final Four, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. Uh, No. But, so there we have it, AP. Again, I I was thinking of you uh, as they were making the selection yesterday, thrilled for you when they actually chose Alabama. You know, I like the reasoning that Kirby Holcutt presented, Kirby Holcutt from the CFP, uh, which basically said, you know, all year long, week in, week out, Alabama was ahead of Ohio State. So I think, you know, every year, and to a degree every week, you know, the CFP reveals a little more and more about how they think. And I thought that was just an important note and one that I can get on board with, you know. Uh, Alabama was ahead of Ohio State basically all year long. So in the end, they remained ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, John, I think... I don't want to see it become like basketball, where it doesn't matter what you do in November uh, to some degree. I mean, I know they look at the entire resume with the basketball committee as well, but it seems like they're more forgiving. Whereas in football, it matters if you beat someone in September, especially like, let's say, at Florida State when they were at full strength and until the quarterback was injured. Uh, John, I was just looking at the final rankings, and I, thought, I found it interesting that and I don't know why the network did this, but they had somebody in Los Angeles. I mean, there was, I don't think there was any hint that I felt of Southern California being considered for the top four. Matter of fact, they ended at number eight. Auburn is ahead of them with three losses at number seven. Yeah, that one's baffling, AP. It really is to me because, uh, you, you know, they showed some metrics that showed, USC, strength of schedule, what have you, uh, you know, holding up very well, if not being ahead of certain teams that were in front of them. But yes, that says it all. They were ranked number eight. So clearly they were never in the discussion when people were saying before the vote, you know, late last week, what have you, that if certain things unfolded, which they did, the USC would have a rightful claim and they're certainly a brand name. It doesn't make sense. I mean, they're just, uh, for whatever reason, uh, being overlooked. Uh, and 
by all by all accounts that you have to believe they weren't even considered. And you know, I thought their coach after they beat Stanford to win their conference championship on Friday night, Clay Helton, you know, made made a very simple but good case for his team. And when I heard him say that, I was like, you know, I mean, that makes sense. And it was enough to make me, you know, to plant the seed in my head that, you know, maybe the committee would shock the world and leapfrog USC up into that spot. But clearly that was never happening. No, yeah, because it, at number eight, I mean, Auburn was definitely down in the conversation. They put them behind Auburn. So really it was a conversation of, of Alabama and Ohio State. That was the only two teams involved in that discussion, Wisconsin. They, I don't think they were going to place in, in that discussion because they just lost the night before uh, Ohio State. So it really wasn't Ohio State and Alabama, uh, you know, lockdown. Yeah, I, I agree, AP. So the mystery, to a certain degree, continues, you know, with trying to figure out exactly what they do. I mean, you know, at first glance, you might say, well, the Pac-12 is not that great, but, you know, and uh, I haven't sharpened my pencil and gone through the metrics personally, but, you know, they did show that USC's strength of schedule was every bit what, you know, Ohio State and Alabama's were, so if not better. So I don't quite get it. You know, the USC, of course, had a bad loss at Notre Dame. And you can translate that. Then Notre Dame, of course, looked woeful when they got blown out in Miami. You know, but so maybe that all translates. You know, we were speaking earlier of blowouts, so maybe that somehow correlates. Uh, I mean, maybe there is something to that. Maybe that's how you could justify it, that, you know, not only did Ohio State get blown out, but. USC got blown out by Notre Dame. Notre Dame got blown out by Michigan, and the way they ended the season were not considered very formidable, Notre Dame, that is. So who knows? Maybe maybe it is about blowouts, and and if it is, I can relate. I mean, uh, that, I, I you know, based on what I said about Iowa scoring 50, 55, then, you know, I, I'm on board with that overall thinking if that's – if that's what they're the committee's thinking. Yeah, I can follow that line fairly. <clears throat> yes. Easy. Yeah, you can't have a championship team or a team in the final four that simply allowed themselves to get blown out. Period. Maybe it's just that simple. And maybe it you know, it started last year with Penn State who got blown out early in the season by Michigan. And again, last year a lot of people said that's what cost them. And maybe it did. And maybe what we're seeing is just a further, uh, you know, a further firming up of that philosophy. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a great game. No doubt about it. Alabama Clemson part three, the trilogy. First two were awesome. And uh, I think this one will be in many ways. Uh, So we need to discuss that a little further. And uh, why don't we take our break now, and we'll get into a little uh, discussion about uh, what should be an awesome Sugar Bowl on New Year's evening. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we, of course, talked last segment about Alabama getting that coveted number four spot in the college football playoff, which means they're going to face number one seed Clemson in the trilogy, the the third year in a row where they're meeting in the college football playoff, this time a semifinal. The first two, of course, were epic national championship games. Uh, AP, it's going to be awesome. Uh, semifinal on New Year's night. Uh, it feels like, although a lot of the faces have changed, the, 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 the big one who's changed, of course, is no Deshaun Watson. But what I saw on Saturday night as I was switching back from the Big Ten to the ACC, uh, Kelly Bryant looks pretty good, uh, and Clemson looks great. So that should just be a fabulous game. Yeah, John, one thing that Clemson has that – allows them to compete with Alabama, an excellent quarterback that's mobile, and they have the athletes on the outside, but also the defensive front. You know, Alabama should not be able to bully Clemson at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, be successful, but just not run them over. So that's uh, crucial for a team that's trying to beat Alabama because Nick Saban feels that he can run the football, and that's what will happen on the night of the game. They'll just continue to run off tackle until you stop them. But Clemson's very talented up front, and, you know, there's front seven, actually. So, uh, you know, there's nothing new for Alabama to play against Clemson and Clemson to play against Alabama. And what we learned from the second game last year, John, was that Clemson has eliminated all fears or apprehension about playing Alabama. Well, that's it, AP. You took the words right out of my mouth, the – most important asset 
is psychological, and Clemson is maybe the only team in the country that has zero fear of playing Alabama. I would like it in the NFL to the Ravens when they play the Patriots. They're just like, nothing makes Patriot fans more nervous, let me tell you, than when they have to face the Ravens in the playoffs because everybody knows uh, that the Ravens are the one team that has no fear of the Patriots and can come into Gillette Stadium, as I've seen them do, and not only win a playoff game, but win handily. So you can't overstate the importance of that. Uh, so that's why. Uh, so the beauty of that says, you know, it's going to be a great game because you obviously have two very talented teams, two excellent coaches, and they know each other, and they'll both be ready, and I just think it's going to be great. And, you know, even the geographical proximity in New Orleans is is perfect for both fan bases. It's more drivable for Alabama, but certainly drivable from South Carolina as well. Oh, yeah. South Carolina, they're very devoted fans in the, in the state of South Carolina. Uh, you know, they have not had success throughout the years uh, in Alabama, let's say, but they've always been present at their stadiums, you know, with South Carolina and Clemson. And Clemson and Alabama, John, there must be approximately 10 people connected to the University of Alabama involved with that football program at Clemson. Yeah, well, not surprising. Uh you know, that's, I'm sure that's a big part of their success, uh, yeah, learning their craft at the best place to learn it, which is Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Clemson fans are fabulous. And I was at the national championship game, first one between those two teams. As I was reminded Saturday night, that's Clemson scored early and often, and they keep playing that song. It, it's still ringing in my head two years later. It really is. No exaggeration. Three years later. Um, and, and luckily, I like the song. So, uh, And the cheer that they, they have at the end when they you know, spell their name, and uh, it's just fabulous. Uh, not to mention all dressed in orange. Uh, it's going to be great stuff. So New Orleans on New Year's weekend is going to be off the charts fun. Yeah, and once again, Alabama's going against uh, uh, the Tigers, and they're wearing orange. And let's see if they can they can uh, do a little bit better than last time. They tamed the Tigers from Baton Rouge, but the ones from Auburn and Clemson a little bit tougher, I believe. Uh, a little bit, certainly these days. Uh, yeah, and you know, if I heard it correctly, I believe Alabama is the favorite in the game. Pretty fascinating. Uh, number four seed favored above num- number one seed. Uh, but, you know, it's a good Vegas call. I mean, you know, the, they don't worry about anything but, you know, the obvious. And, you know, uh, you don't often favor an Alabama opponent, no matter who they are. Uh, so, you know, a little unusual, but not surprising. Um it should just be a great game. I mean, it just it appears to be a lock. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's probably the first game starting at around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Does that sound about right? Uh, well, the, the Rose Bowl game is played first. Oh, it is? Oh, okay, that, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, the, yeah, the Rose Bowl, matter of fact, John, they're going to play that first. 
And then Alabama, I think it's 745 Central. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. I should have known because back in the day, the first year, it was the exact same setup. And that's how they did it because the first game was the Rose Bowl. It was still daylight here. And that's the one where Jameis Winston uh, and Florida State lost in that game. Right. In, right. in the Rose Bowl. And then uh, Alabama lost to Ohio State that night. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. They, Florida State played Oregon. Oregon, right. I believe it was. And then Alabama lost to Ohio State. They ran all over for 200-plus yards. Yeah, that was quite the night. That was the first ever CFP semifinals. And uh, good. So I'm glad they're repeating it. There's nothing like a Rose Bowl game that uh, starts in the daylight and ends in the darkness. And that'll be the case well, maybe not. If it's starting around five, yeah, yeah, it will be the case. It'll be starting around two out there. So, sure to be a terrific New Year's Day. And uh, and again, I'm thrilled that you're going to be able to go there, cover it. And uh, I think the committee made the right decision. I genuinely do. Yeah, I think so. And then Oklahoma cooperated. They won their ball game, Georgia, with the upset. Yep. Yep, they 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 uh, turned it upside down on Auburn, and I uh, know those Georgia folks. They're they can't wait to uh, play Oklahoma and see if they can get back to Atlanta play, to play a championship, which is incredible. That would be incredible. I boy, you talk about good karma. Um, you know, they they they're, they're going to carry over a lot of karma from their performance on Saturday. Wouldn't it be something if Georgia played Alabama in the national championship, given? Kirby Smart, uh, Saban's longtime assistant, uh, is now the coach of Georgia. Uh, it's the most emotion I've ever seen from him, walking around with what I assume is his son after the game, high five and fans. It was great to see. Yeah, he, he, he took in the moment, John. He sure did. He was celebrating. He was excited, of course, because he knows that if he can get back to Atlanta again, He's feeling good. I mean, his young quarterback was spectacular. I thought in that ball game, uh, yes. they got to the edge. They got to the edge on Auburn, like Alabama did in the second half, and they just, you know, made a lot of yards and scored touchdowns. They didn't make many mistakes. Uh, you know, Auburn had to fumble, a block, kick. They just couldn't get on track after that first drive. Well, exactly, and uh, you know, who would have ever thought? That, you know, the exclamation point on that game would be a long run from a running back, but it wouldn't be Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb. It was the third guy as the rich get richer. Uh, what a spectacular run that was. Uh, and they, again, just the great punctuation mark to that victory. Uh, they did to Auburn what Auburn had done to them, which was physically dominate the game uh, throughout. Auburn had done that to them three weeks earlier at Jordan-Hare, and Georgia more than repaid the favor on Saturday evening, that's for sure. Yeah, and John, we discussed the first game between Auburn and Georgia, and there were some openings that the quarterback missed. But he, he was on target Saturday. I mean, he looked uh, just he didn't look like he was a young player. He, he looked like he had some poise and confidence and played with authority and commanded his team. 
and made all the good throws, especially on the out patterns. I mean, he was deadly. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, the hardest throw a, a quarterback needs to make. And uh, so, yeah, so that was great. So, you know, you and I'm sure everybody down south has to be pretty thrilled with the fact that the SEC, I believe, is the first conference to ever have two in the final four uh, with the cert, with, with, you know, an absolute possibility of two SEC teams meeting for the champion for the national championship, which would be just nirvana down in the in, in your parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, everybody's ecstatic that there's two SEC teams have made it. Now, one of them needs to win to keep up the reputation. You Correct. don't want to see both of them lose. One of them must win to keep up that uh, cachet that they have with the committee and fans around the country. Yes. Well, they're both in for, as you would expect and as it should be, stern, stern tests, uh, you know, with opponents being Clemson and Oklahoma. Uh, you know, four great teams, blue bloods, and uh, I think it's just going to be terrific and uh, nice to see it back on New Year's night as well. I thought that the, you know, that's the traditional bold day that we all grew up with. And I thought the first year they had it, what we were just talking about, Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama, was fabulous that New Year's night four, three, four years ago. And, uh, you know, glad it's back that way. I think it's really going to do some monster ratings. Yeah, and all the teams, Sean, four good quarterbacks. Correct. Uh, exactly. All of them. Yeah, all of them can throw the football. Of course, Baker Mayfield really can sling it, and he's been hot. And his team is, I, I don't know if anybody could stop him from scoring 30 points, but uh, Clemson has, I mean, you know, uh, Georgia has a good defensive front. Uh, maybe they could blitz him and it, get them off to a bad start. I mean, that's what normally has to happen in these games, John. You get someone off their rhythm and and really get into their head. So the quarterback's looking around for that rush. And maybe you can uh, affect his accuracy and his footwork. But, but Oklahoma's they have a very good offense. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and the games are perfect timing. And by that, I mean, you know, we're talking about monster ratings. You know, New Year's night, New Year's Day is on a Monday. It's not like it's the middle of the weekend or whatever. Or it's everybody's back from where they've been, back home, ostensibly. And, you know, the games are starting around 5 o'clock. So by that time again, everybody's just tired from literally a week and a half of the holiday season. Their travels are typically over. They're back home and what better way you know, to end a weekend uh, and the holiday season in general than settling back in for two semifinal games. So it's just, again, it's just a, a perfect uh, day, Monday, New Year's Day. Just It just all lines up for what I'm guessing will be the all-time uh, viewing ratings for the CFP. Yeah, John, it will be interesting because, I mean, the the West is, does not have anybody in the Final Four. The Midwest. Good point. East, uh, I'm wondering in how people are going to react to this third time that Alabama plays Clemson. Of course, different quarterback for uh, 
you know, Clemson and uh, Alabama's got the same quarterback from last year and, you know, a different one from two years ago. But will people warm up to a third time? Yeah, well, you do make a good point. Maybe I should hold off on making that ratings prediction. You make some very, very good points. Maybe the people from the upper know. Midwest, you know, from the upper Midwest and the and the far West may not be so quick to tune in. But if they're football fans, they will. Um, well, right. Well, yeah, I think the f- football fans will be excited to, to watch the for quarterbacks sure. and the teams, I think. Right. I mean, I'm up here in Boston. I'll be watching. <laughs> That's for darn sure. Uh, <laughs> as will many, many millions of others. But uh, AP, hard to believe. We're at the end of our second uh, second break together. So why don't we take that now and still a few more things to get to on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before A.P. and I get started, let me say that my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's Steelers-Bengals game uh, to see if the Steelers can keep pace with the Patriots uh, to go to 10-2. and two and thereby setting up a mega matchup in Pittsburgh in 13 days, a week from Sunday, which uh, should be the game of the year. And so we'll see tonight how it turns out for the Steelers. Uh, So, AP, we talked a lot about all the games over the weekend, of course, but the one that should not be ignored uh, and one that, has both meaning to both of us since we both carry, have covered the American Athletic Conference. University of Central Florida finishes undefeated with a spectacular victory over Memphis in, uh, I think it was like 62-55, following on UCF's 
spectacular victory a week before over University of South Florida uh, on a last-second kickoff return uh, after USF had tied them. AP, you could make the case that UCF played in the best two games of the year. I mean, you know, they were both spectacular. Certainly the best two games, if you like exciting shootout games here in the last couple of weeks. Um, they were both awesome to watch. We both care about UCF being in the American Conference. And, uh, and a great story with Scott Frost and going to Nebraska. So what are your thoughts about all that? Because it was really, uh, you know, amazing to watch those two football games, especially the championship game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, John, Scott Frost, I mean, he, he's from a small town in Nebraska, started his career at Stanford, played a year or two uh, under Bill Walsh, and came back to his home state and uh, did quite well in Lincoln. So he was the favorite son, and he was on the radar the entire time when things were heading south for Mike Riley in Nebraska. So, um, you know, they were happy and the athletic director came from, uh, was it Washington State? Was that Bill Moose? I think it is something. Yes, uh, my, the guy that hired Mike Leach out there. Okay, so he, he came, and so all the folks out there must be happy that their first swing of the bat, they hit a grand slam in their eyes. And they really needed to. As I have talked about on the show, I was out at the Ohio State-Nebraska game in Lincoln in mid-October, Ohio State absolutely trounced them. My forever take-home will be the fans pouring out of Memorial Stadium, that of the school of 300 straight sellouts every game since like 1961, 300-plus. And, uh, you know, when those fans were leaving the stadium, trust me, and people I was talking to, Nebraska people, you know, the Scott Frost watch was on, and in fact... It was Scott Frost or bust. Anybody else would have been disappointing this side of Nick Saban, truly. Um, That's who they wanted. That's who they got. And, you know, the day after, as I was driving through around Omaha, listening to sports talk radio, they hired the athletic director, Bill Moose, from Washington State. It was his press conference. And, uh, you know, it was so bad that something had to be done like that day, that Sunday. The day after they lost to Ohio State, 56 to whatever. And uh, and so there's no question. Bill Moose was on a mission to get Scott Frost, the hottest young coach in America, hottest coach, period. And they got him. And I'm sure Cornhusker fans who are really very, very likable. There's no other way to say it. I've met so many people out there that were terrific to be around, devoted fans. Um. I'm glad they got their man. I, I truly am. Yeah, you want to see him revive that program. I mean, and he's got the contacts now in the state of Florida. He probably has them on the West Coast since he went to Stanford, and, he, and then he needs those in the Midwest as well, the surrounding states, you know, St. Louis and Chicago and Dallas, Texas, Houston, maybe sometimes in New Orleans, but he can he has to go all around the country to get those skilled players and you know you can find some linemen quite a few in Nebraska but even then you have to compete with uh, the passing game 
of the, all these different schools. So you're going to have to get linemen from all over the United States. Yep. Well, he runs an exciting offense. So th- that's yet another reason to be excited. And, you know, it's a bit of a shame that, you know, he didn't have more time or any time at all, perhaps, to enjoy the winning of that championship game on Saturday over Memphis because, you know, rumors were already abounding that Nebraska was a done deal. And uh, so, you know, slightly awkward, but both universities are happy with each other, exchanged very nice tweets with each other, UCF and Nebraska, and... Scott Frost apparently is coaching UCF in the in the bowl game, so it's uh, you know a, a little different than the Jimbo Fisher departure, shall we say? Yeah, that was the marriage that seemed to go south. Exactly. So he made, a, he made a, an exit, and I don't think he uh, was cared cared about the, the condition of the bridge as he left. Exactly. Well, there's no good way or easy way to do these things. And in this day and age, you know, word gets out. No stopping it. Uh, But it does appear, you know, hats off to UCF and Nebraska for apparently handling it as well as it can be handled. And uh, good luck to UCF and good luck to Scott Frost out in Nebraska. Again, uh, it should be a great marriage. Native son returns home. It's a good story. So, uh, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of the show already. Uh, and should be a fun few weeks. Uh, moving ahead, lots of bowl games to discuss. Uh, and it's, it's going to be great, that's for sure. Yeah, John, I can't wait for the games. It'll be exciting, and it'll be that unscripted drama that we all look forward to that surrounds college football. Exactly. Nothing like it. So as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.